Now, the religious community has put such an emphasis on our own depravity that we have not been willing to believe that we have equal standing with Jesus. Now, I know I've talked about this before here, but just let me say it so we have a biblical reference for it. I want to read Romans 10, verses 2 through 4. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. See, those people that were there in the presence of God had believed for the forgiveness of their sins, but that's only the very beginning in getting to know God. Did you notice in verse 3? It says, they have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Do you see here that true humility is to submit to the truth, that the death and resurrection of Jesus has given you the very righteousness of God. This is not just a righteous covering of sins or even something given to us to appease the wrath of God. This is the exact righteousness and perfection of God himself. You must understand and believe that you have been created in the image of God for the purpose of hearing the voice of God. This is what being born again really means. So again, what does the voice of God sound like? And how can we learn to recognize him? Now I want to remind you here that Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. And there is a deep peace and love that is present when he is speaking. And I look for that and try to follow the peace that he brings to my heart. There's times you can't really explain it, but there's just a peace that I have. And I have to learn to trust that. We have to learn to recognize these subtle things. Remember, it's not a formula or a math equation. Now, another thing is that he will never contradict the word of God or the Bible. Many, many times the word he has spoken to me has been word-for-word word, scripture verses. Now this happened to me right after my wife and I got married. Now that was 27 years ago, but I can remember it like it was yesterday. And remember I was saying, I was kind of struggling with how do I lead as a leader of a family? And I was sitting in the living room of the mobile home that we were renting at the time, and I was asking the Lord a specific question. You see, I had bought a small piece of land, and I wanted to build a house on it. But the land had been left abandoned for many, many years. And it had become overgrown by all sorts of wild bushes and thorns. And it was not ready to have a house on it yet. But the question that I was asking the Lord was this. Do I just carve out an area in the middle and build a house first? Or do I work on the land and clean it all up before I start building a house? And uh, <laughs> as I was sitting there in my living room, praying about this, I heard a voice say, read Proverbs 24. And so I quickly got my Bible out and I read these two verses, uh, verses three and four. I, I started at the beginning and I got down to these verses. Through wisdom, a house is built and by understanding it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Now, this was the answer that I wanted to hear from him. And I said, oh, good, I, I, 
I really, I wanted to build a house. But then I heard the voice again. And he said, you're not done, keep reading. And so I just, I read all the way down to verse 27. Now look at what this verse says. It says, prepare your outside work, make it fit for yourself in the field, and afterward build your house. Now I don't know how you could get much more clear of an answer than that. And I was sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, I could have easily missed it if I would have just stopped when I got the message I wanted to hear. But what he was saying saved me from a lot of trouble because probably six months after that, I got a, an opportunity of a lifetime to move out of state to a different part of the country. And my wife and I were able to experience something that we would not have been able to because if we would have had that house to pay for, it's very possible I would have felt like I had to say no to this opportunity. Now we never did build a house on that land and it wasn't until 18 years later that we built a house. So for that much time, we lived in houses that we were renting, but I'm so glad that we were able to follow God's direction on it. See, sometimes we hear a story like that and I actually kind of hesitated on whether I wanted to share it because then you can say, well, I need to hear something that clearly, but I'm telling you, I, the, the story for this reason. It's possible for God to do specific things like that. Just make sure that the thing you're hearing does not contradict the Word of God. But even if the example that God uses isn't quite the same as how it is used in Scripture in context, He may use the wording as it was written in Scripture to convey the message that He wants to say to us today. So I would encourage you, continue reading your Bible and getting to know the word. Now I want to give another example of a way that he's spoken to me already. I've noticed that he'll bring a song to my heart. And even without thinking about it earlier, I'll find myself singing a song. And that song is the answer to the question that I had for him. Now it might seem strange for you to hear me say this, but sometimes his word to me comes out of my own mouth. And you say, wait, you're just talking to yourself. <laughs> But I want to make a distinction between just me talking to myself and hearing a word that's coming from the Lord. See, I know the thoughts uh, that I have and how they sound to me. But when a word comes out of my mouth that was not part of my thought process, I have to stop and take note and say, where did that come from? Do I have peace in my heart or am I in fear? So if I have peace in my heart and I'm feeling this connection with the Lord, I have to acknowledge that the word might have come from him because one third of me is all of him. In fact, I want to, I want to prove it to you. Let's look at Romans 10 verses 8 through 10. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now these verses state very clearly that the word of faith is in your own mouth. Now I want to just talk about verse 10, because he says, with the heart one believes unto righteousness. 
Do you remember I mentioned righteousness earlier here? So if your heart is believing unto righteousness, that gives you standing in the presence of God. That gives you a legal right to be in connection with God. But then notice, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So the word salvation there is anything that you need in your situation. See, the church has, has treated it as only forgiveness of sins. But what if the salvation you need is healing? What if the salvation you need is finances? What if the salvation is something internal in your own heart with emotions? What if it's something with relationships? See, God wants us to experience salvation in every area of our lives. See, with your heart, you believe to righteousness before God. And with your mouth comes the word of God that he has placed in your own mouth. We need to recognize that, that this is a very clear way that God chooses to speak. Now, maybe it comes through the mouth of another believer. Does the word they speak contradict the word of God? Do you have a sense of peace about what they spoke? If these things are in place, you should take it seriously. There's also many times you can hear the voice of God by what he speaks to others through you. I had a conversation today with a brother and when I gave a challenge to him, the Lord confirmed in my heart this challenge was for me as well. And I didn't know it before I spoke it to this, this brother. Now, I hope all of these different scenarios are making sense to you. Again, these are just examples of things that I have experienced. In fact, I want to give one more example of a time when I received a word come right out of my own mouth. Now, I had been in prayer about something for, for several days. And this was when the Lord was developing the theme for the Hope for Today broadcast. And I woke up in the morning when my alarm rang and I walked out into the kitchen area of our house. And I had not even had a single thought come into my mind because I had just woke up at that same minute and out of my mouth came these words. I said, delivering hope to every heart. And I had just spoken it into the air. There was no one else awake at the time. And I realized immediately that God had just spoken through my own mouth. It was not a premeditated phrase. I had not even been thinking about that consciously. Again, remember, I had just been asleep, but I had been asking that God would give more clarity and direction. And I was asking him, how do you want to use me and Wengard Ministries and, and things? I had surrendered to anything he would say, and he chose to answer me out of my own mouth. Now, I could have chosen to mm, just kind of disbelieve that. I could have said, yeah, maybe I was just coming up with something on my own. See, if you use logic, you can always explain away the voice of God. In fact, many times you can explain away even dreams you have. But isn't it amazing that we can kind of see and hear more clearly for other people, but still have unbelief when it comes to seeing and hearing for ourselves? But why do we have the unbelief? Why can we not be settled on it that we've heard his voice? See, I think we're so afraid of getting it wrong. So we choose to just say, yep, I can't hear his voice. I can't hear his voice. When it's very likely you are actually hearing his voice. Maybe you don't like what he's, what he's saying. Maybe you feel like it will be too stretching for you. 
Maybe he's asking you to believe for things that are bigger than you. It still comes down to the fact that it's unbelief. Are you a sheep of the shepherd? He said, my sheep hear my voice. And I'm going to stand on that as a promise, not just for me, but for you. So if you say to me, I don't really hear God's voice, I'm going to say, yes, you do. If you are born again. Now, let's learn to recognize it. Something I've found is, and this is one of the main keys. Really, it's, it's one of the main things to knowing the voice of the Good Shepherd. And that is that he will never lead by fear. It's possible that your whole life has been dictated by the voices of fear from those around you. How many of the decisions that you've made in your life have come from a place of fear and avoiding problems? You see, if I'm not watchful of this, I can find myself doing the same thing to my own children. Instead of growing my relationship with them through love and trust, I just paint a negative word picture for them of all the bad things that could happen if they don't listen to me. You see, in a pure and simple sense of this, where there is love and trust between a parent and child, there is no fear in that relationship. Again, I'll say it, pure love and trust. You see, this is the way that it is with our relationship with God. He's really the only true example of a perfect loving father. And I understand with human relationships, it's not that way, but it should be what we're, what we're striving for. We can learn to lead those around us in the same way. But again, how many of the decisions that you've made in your life have come from a place of fear? Now I want to look at our relationship with God as a pure loving relationship, because this is his only focus toward us. See, God is love. It's not just that God has love or he somehow is a part of love. God is love and perfect love casts out fear. See, my relationship with him should actually produce peace and rest in my heart. But how many times do we find ourselves living in the opposite of that? I want to talk about how we can live a life of faith out of a heart that's filled with rest because we trust him to lead us by love, not fear. You have to believe that he is good. It is impossible for him to experience fear and it's impossible for him to produce fear in us. So if you have fear in your heart of any kind, I promise you it does not come from God. Again, this is not complicated. It's pretty simple. What's complicated about it is that we have not learned to think without fear. We've not learned to think with absolute trust. See, we need to first set our minds on the things of the spirit. Have you noticed how much of what we actually experience in our bodies is a direct result of the things we set our minds on? When you set your mind on something, it turns your focus to it and it begins to produce things in your own body. This is why we have to resist fear and only respond to love. I mean, we have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness, as it says in 2 Peter 1.3. But those things don't become uh, accessible to use automatically. 
Just because we have been given all things doesn't mean we have automatic use of them. Have we not been given the healing from the stripes of Jesus? Does it make it automatic that we just receive that? To answer it, I'm going to use uh, another example. All people in the, in, across the entire world have been forgiven of their sins, but they do not automatically become sons of God. They do not automatically become born again, even though their sins have already been forgiven. See, it's not automatic. It takes a choice and a focus of our heart. It's all about where we set our minds. Mm-hmm.